Thank you, Chris. You see, I have technology and paper. And it's not because I don't trust technology. It's my use of technology that I don't trust. So uh, we should be good. So good morning, everybody. It's great to see you again. It's the first time that I've been in the church uh, since it opened up after lockdown. And it's lovely to see you, well, your, your eyes and your hair, anyway, and Alid, uh, your eyes. Sorry, mate. But, um, yeah, so good morning to you who are online as well. Uh, it's really great to have you joining in with us. We've been watching online for weeks and uh, been really blessed by it, so I pray you'll be blessed today as well. And uh, nice pyjamas, Phil. Uh, they look great. Uh, what you don't know online is that we've now got new technology. We downloaded some software where we can see you and you can see us. And uh, yeah, actually, you should, should put the bottoms back on now, Phil. But, uh, no, that's, that's, that's not true. We haven't got that technology. Thank God. So, so how are we coping uh, with the COVID crisis? As, uh, it's very hard to see any expressions on people's faces to get a reaction. But I know um, this last couple of weeks, I've actually started to get really hacked off with it again. I've, uh, you know, I think we were enjoying the slight improvement in our freedoms and the, a little bit more normality in life. And uh, that seems to be uh, sort of closing in around us again, doesn't it? And so uh, I think we have to be honest, don't we? It's not easy um, in these times. And uh, I've been a bit frustrated and a bit fed up. Uh, I know Helen has as well. But it reminds, reminds me of when I was a teenager and uh, my dad always told me that I would accomplish absolutely nothing by laying in bed all day. Uh, but in these times, actually, I'd be seen as saving the world. So uh, how things have changed since I was a teenager. So, uh, yeah, this crisis, the confusion, the fear, the sickness, and the death, uh, it's, it's really difficult times, isn't it? Uh, unprecedented, that word has been used so many times. Um, but, as Chris has already said, we can see that God is working in these times. He is actually uh, changing us. He's changing people's lives, using uh, things that Satan would have never dreamt of uh, to win the battle, uh, because the battle is the Lord's. And I can also see is that God is preparing his people, those who love him already, um, and he's allowing the pressure that we're being put under to actually force things to the surface that perhaps have been hidden. And that's really been quite interesting. It's allowing this shaking that we're seeing and everything that we know uh, to actually to start to loosen up those things that are not secure. Um, and we have a choice then. Are we going to deal with those things that come up or start to become loose in our lives? Um, uh, and that gives us that opportunity uh, to get rid of anything that shouldn't be there in our lives. And so God is then going to leave what is unshakable in us uh, through this process. So whilst it's really tough, any discipline, as it says in the Bible, is not pleasant at the time, um, but it is actually God is using this for our benefit, for his church, for his benefit, for the world that he loves, benefit as well. Just when Satan's trying to destroy it, he's turning things around. So my title today, and if I can have the first slide up, um, is What Should I Do? I hope uh, what I'm going to talk about is a very practical look at how we as followers of Jesus primarily can make good decisions 
and follow God's will in our lives. I see so many people who struggle uh, in their walk with God um, and sort of asking questions like, how do I know this is God's will? What should I do? Um, how, can I, uh, how can I sort of make a decision? The options are endless and I don't want to make a mistake. How can I know if this is what God wants me to do? I mean, how many of us have asked that question? Uh, I'm sure all of us have at different times. And outside of the church, you know, I see people struggling with decision-making as well, and I really feel for them because they have nothing to base their decision-making on other than what they've known as they've been brought up, what they've been taught. They're relying on themselves and just making decisions based on what they feel is right. Now, thank God we, as the children of God, as part of his family, um, we don't have to do that. But unfortunately, uh, as I look at the church, and I've been a Christian over 40 years now, I see a lot of people who don't use the resources that God has provided us to help them make good decisions. And uh, don't get me wrong, um, Helen and I have made many bad decisions, me more than Helen, I'm sure. And, uh, but over the years, we've got a bit better at decision-making. So what I want to talk about today is some very simple steps that can help us make good decisions. You know, some of those decisions are pretty obvious and very easy. Uh, so if I want you to imagine that you are driving um, on a country lane in the UK and through the mountains of Wales, as we all love to do in this area. But uh, on this particular road, there's a sheer drop on the left and, uh, and there's a sharp right-hand turn straight ahead. Now, you do not need to agonize very long or seek God's will or get on your knees to say, should I turn right or keep going, do you? That decision is very plain and simple and easy to see. Although I can see uh, there's a couple of you actually looking quite puzzled. You've probably never thought of that before. So, uh, yeah, it is just turn right. It's very straightforward. So there are some decisions, very obvious. We don't really have any choice. So that's easy. But there are many others that are much, much harder for us. These are much more sort of long-term impact type decisions. And things like, what subjects should I choose in my education? What career or what jobs should I be uh, working in? Should I go out with this person? Or even more, should I marry this person? These are tough decisions, very important decisions to make. What church should I attend if you're a Christian? Where should I live? Should I go to Africa and feed starving children? And there's so many of these things that we come across in life that are quite difficult for us to, uh, to be able to make decisions on. And so we need some things to help us in those decision-making processes to find out what God's will really is for us. It can be so confusing. So I don't know how many people here, put your hand up, you're not allowed to speak, obviously, otherwise we have to shoot you. But uh, how many of you know Where's Wally books? Um, yeah, quite a few. Quite a few know Where's Wally. Well, if you don't know the books, it's basically a cartoon book, and you have a particular character, Wally, who's dressed in a particular way, um, and he is somewhere on each page. And you have to find Wally uh, as you go through each page. And it's the sort of the game is to find Wally because it's very hard to actually find him on each page. And some pages are much more difficult than others. And uh, it's, it can be really confusing and frustrating uh, to find Wally when you look at these uh, because you don't know where to begin. 
And it's especially frustrating when you're not as good at finding Wally as your five-year-old grandson um, who can do it in a, in a flash. So decision-making and finding God's will can sometimes be a bit like looking at a page on a Where's Wally book. And you think, gosh, now where do I start? What Do I, do I go a methodical sort of elimination of the, every section of the page to try and find Wally? Do I just try and scan it? You know, and different people have different methods of doing this. But sometimes when we've got these big life decisions, it can be just like that. You can think, I don't even know where to start to look for that one thing that I believe is what God is trying to tell me. And we can get ourselves in a right pickle and very frustrated, uh, just like when I'm uh, with Isaac trying to look at a Where's Wally book. And Helen and I have recently got, uh, got back into this as our grandchildren have, have found these books and they really like it. And in fact, there's a new one, um, and unfortunately we can't uh, put this on the uh, screen to you guys uh, back at home. Um, a new one that's come out, uh, this is the COVID version of Where's Wally? And uh, if you just scroll through those, uh, it's, it's, can you see him there? Can you see? There we go. That's Wally. Oh, there he is again. And uh, one more, I think. Or maybe, no, that's it, that's it. But, um, you know, that wouldn't it be great if when we were trying to make decisions it was like that and not like the normal one, which is just full of cartoons of characters and things that look remarkably similar to Wally but aren't Wally. Because that's one of the problems we face when we're making decisions is some things are what we're really aiming for but actually, there are other things that look remarkably similar to those. And it can be very difficult to discern the difference between the two. And, um, yeah, so a bit of fun. Sorry for you guys online that you couldn't, uh, couldn't see those, uh, those pictures. Um, but if you know where's Wally, basically, there is just Wally on the page and nothing else. So it's really easy. So. Okay, so I've put again, today I've put six points together that I hope will help you. They're pretty self-explanatory, really. Um, so as we go through, I won't go into great detail on them. There's one I think God has put on my heart I need to talk a bit more about. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into great detail, but if we could have the, um, the first slide up, um, and uh, this is about the first one on decision-making. The first thing that we need to do, and these six points are definitely not exclusive, um, there are many other things and other people will have learned so much more and there's other scriptures that can be brought to bear in this. But these are things that Helen and I have learned over the years are very useful in helping us make those big decisions. And um, they seem, especially the first one, which is ask God, it seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? You know, what do I do, God? But how many times do we flounder around looking at things, trying to weigh things up in our mind, discussing things, tossing them over, and then we actually forget even to ask God to show us what he wants us to do. It's so easy to have our own plans, our own destinations in sight that we can forget to say, God, what is it that you want for me? Because God wants the very best for us. He knows us inside out. He created us, and he knows the future. We're just guessing. And so the first thing is ask God. And it says in James chapter 4 and verse 2, we read this, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. So God wants to be involved 
in our decision-making. So we must ask him what he wants. And then point number two, uh, which is the next slide, which is check your motives. Are our motives selfish or godly? And James goes on to say in that same chapter, he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And understanding our motives is not always easy. If you're anything like me, you'll know that actually sometimes we don't even know our own motivations. They're so deep and they come from perhaps when we were young, things that we're not even aware of. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. So we need to check out our motivation behind our decisions and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to plan. So we need to ask God and we need to check out our motives. Now the third point, um, and slide number three, is, is your decision in line with Scripture? Again, this is one uh, that is actually quite, you'd think would be obvious, but it's actually very easy to forget to do that. Now, I've chosen a really obvious example, but there, there could be hundreds and thousands of other examples of uh, where we can get this wrong. And so, um, this is a situation, if you are a Christian, and you're considering entering into a sexual relationship with someone outside of marriage, because you've fallen in love with them. Now, you say, oh gosh, well that's pretty obvious. But a lot of people do it, don't they? So maybe it's not as obvious as we think. It's not hard to find in the scripture what God thinks about sex and marriage and whether sex is appropriate outside of marriage. And First Thessalonians chapter 4 um, in verse 3 says the following. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So there's a really obvious example of God's will shown in Scripture for our lives. So there are some things we don't even really need to sort of prevaricate on and think about because God tells us very clearly, do not murder would be another one, wouldn't it? It's, uh, you might want to kill somebody, but you only have to look at God's word. And it's very, very clear, do not kill people. That's not our job no matter how frustrating they are, even in COVID. So that's something that we need to do. We need to go back to Scripture when we're looking to make decisions and say, is this in line with God's Word? Is it actually in line with His Scriptures? Because God actually puts things into His Word to help us. He's not like there to stop us having fun. He's not there to make our lives difficult. He puts those in there because he created us. He knows how we're made because he wants the best for us. So if we follow his guidance and his guidelines, we won't get hurt so much and we won't hurt other people so much. And that's why he gives us those guidance points. So point uh, number four and uh, this one is to check out your plans and your decisions with other people. It's a really good idea, especially on major stuff, to ask your brothers and sisters, people you trust in the church, who 
uh, you just know are going to want the best for you and not for themselves and just want to give their opinions. Say, so what do you think? This is what I'm considering. This is, this is what I'm feeling I should do. What do you think? Because if they care for you, they will only give you good advice. And it's vital. That's why God puts us in part of a family. And that's another reason I feel so sorry for people outside of the church, because they don't have that, uh, that uh, resource available to them, because the church is full of the Holy Spirit. All right, we're all a bunch of sinners. We're all very flawed. But God's Holy Spirit lives in each and every one of us who is, who is God's child. And therefore, we have access to the Holy Spirit in those people, to the wisdom of God that they can share with us. Now, if you feel reticent when you've got the decision to make about going to someone like that, you really do perhaps need to go back and check your motives. Because if you don't want to bring it up with somebody, that probably means you don't want to get the answer that you already know is there. So don't, don't, uh, you know, don't sort of proceed in that case. You're in a dangerous place. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Okay, how are we doing? Can't see. I can see a few nodding, um, but no, no smile. Oh, oh don't do that. You'll get, you'll get put in prison very quickly. So uh, the next, uh, the next uh, point, and there's only two more to go, don't worry. The next point is, uh, do you feel at peace inside with the decision that you're making? Now, I've learned actually over the years to rely on this more and more. Sometimes we don't have a lot of time to make decisions, do we? We're in a bit of a pressure point, and we have to choose one way or another way. And I, and I still sometimes ignore this to my own detriment, um, Helen and I had a situation recently where someone wanted to borrow some money for us to buy a house um, and uh, someone in our family and they said oh we need a decision by tomorrow because of the way things were working out and to be honest we, we didn't feel comfortable about it did we and it was we didn't have peace in our hearts but we still said yes and God in his kindness and his and his graciousness it sort of enabled that just to sort of never to happen. But I should have listened to that peace, that inner peace, and said, I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable with this. And I've got many other situations in my life where I thank God that I have actually listened to that and felt, no, I just don't feel right about doing this and, and have not done it. And I, you know, we have to remember the Holy Spirit not only lives in our brothers and sisters, he lives in us. And he will speak to us. And it says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. You've got, you got the, the short version there. Um, and it's, uh, it says this, And let the peace, the soul, harmony which comes from Christ, rule or act as umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with all finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you are called to live. So I love that bit where it says it's an umpire continually acting uh, as an umpire in our hearts. I find that really comforting. So, do you have peace? Don't go against that feeling. Get it checked out. Now, the next point and final point is um, 
Number six, which is actively step towards your decision. And I really, as I've said earlier, I think God wants me to spend a little bit more time on this. Um, And it's one that I've struggled with occasionally, and I've met many Christians, unfortunately, who do struggle with this point. In the time I've been a Christian, it is very rare for God to give me uh, direction in absolute clarity and detail. Probably, I don't know, less than a handful of times in my whole life, maybe three or four times, where I've known God has said, I want you to do this, I'll do this by then and how. I mean, it's, it's really rare. And I've seen many Christians who get caught up in being unable to make decisions. And I think they're waiting for God to give them chapter and verse, like I was a couple of times, on how I should make decisions. What should I do? When should I do it? Who with? And so on. And there is a real... um, there's a real danger with that sort of mindset. I understand where the motivation comes, because I know in my own heart, you read that Jesus only did and said what the Father told him to do. And so it's, apparently it's a good motivation, because that's what my motivation has been in the past when I've been doing that. I want to only do what God you're saying. But the problem with it is that it can so easily be twisted so that you're actually trying to live by sight and not by faith. Because God doesn't want to reveal the full details of our lives to us. That's not healthy. He wants us to go on a journey with him, step by step. And so he gives us direction often, and then we have to move. And then he shows us the next step, and we have to move, and we go on through life like that. And sometimes we end up going somewhere completely different than we ever imagined originally. And so there is a real danger in over-spiritualizing this, and and actually the root of it, I think, is, and and I may be wrong in some cases, but often the root is, I don't want to take a risk. I don't want to step out until I get the whole picture. And I have to be honest, the Christians I have met who use that method of decision-making in their lives I've never met one who generally is at peace in their hearts and full of joy. And it's because they're not acting in faith. I've seen people paralysed by that way of looking at decision making. And it's awful, it robs them of everything that God has for them in the future. And this is really important, this next verse. It's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we want to please God, we've got to live in faith, not by sight. So it means we have to take some steps where we don't know all the answers. We have to take risks, which are no risks at all, because if God's there, he's going to protect us and look after us. But that's how we as humans feel, that this is a risky decision. But it's so rare that he gives us all the details. He wants us to trust him, to walk with him, so he can hold our hands and guide us through our decisions. So our, our faith in our decision-making and in the trying to find the will of God for our lives has to be activated. It can sometimes mean that we just stand still. 
But if it's in faith, like at the end of Ephesians 6, you know, where it talks about the armor of God, taking on the armor of God, it says at the end of that, it says, and stand, because you're in a battle. doesn't mean you've got to be off charging down, taking ground all the time. Sometimes to act in faith is just to stand rather than run away. And some of us in COVID may have felt like running away. And James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17 says, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith and no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So believing in God and believing that he will direct us is one thing, but it's quite different to stepping out in faith and trusting God with those decisions. So if you go through those six points, perhaps we can have all six of them up on the, uh, the slide. I'm not going to repeat them because you can all read, I'm guessing. Um, go through that process it will help you in those big decisions. It will help you to sanity check, to double check, is this in God's will? But at the end of it, even though you've gone those first five points, you still have to take a step. Don't be paralyzed. Don't wait till you have all the details. Take a step. Because our God is able to direct us. When um, Helen and I do this, we quite often pray when we've got decisions, Lord, we think this is the right way. We've gone through all those things, checked it out, looked at scripture, feel it's right, all those things, have peace. Then we say, Lord, we're going this way. If we're wrong, shut the doors. And if it's right, may the door fling wide open so we can walk right through it. Because I do have faith in God that he can stop us when our heart's right and we're trying to do the right thing to direct our path. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Very famous scripture. But I tell you what, if you're standing still, you don't really need a lamp because you're not going anywhere. You only need a light or a lamp if you're taking steps forward. Perhaps the band uh, could uh, come back up, musicians. And I'm aware that this talk um, is primarily aimed at people who already are Christians, who know Jesus, who are following God in their lives. And a lot of the, the, the points are related to his word and checking out with other Christians and so on. But if you're not a Christian and you're here or you're online uh, today and you would like to know more about God, about the Jesus that we're following, the God who has a will and a plan for our lives that we're trying to find and to navigate with him to, uh, to be able to know what his will is. If you want to know him like we do, then you can make a choice, a decision right now, today. you can actually make a decision to do a U-turn in your life. The, the word that is used in churches is repent. It basically means to turn around, really, and to go a different way. 
So instead of going your own way, you can actually choose today to make a U-turn, to repent, and to follow God's Son, Jesus, for the rest of your life, rather than trying to make all those decisions yourself and hoping you've got it right. You can begin an amazing journey, an amazing adventure that goes on beyond this life into eternity and have that assurance. You can be a person that God places his Holy Spirit inside with all the power, the love, the compassion, the wisdom, the strength of God actually coming to dwell inside you to help you navigate all the difficulties of life. You can be on a journey to become the person that God always wanted you to be. Set free and to know God as your father, your dad. So that's a decision for those who don't know Jesus already that you can make right now today. Wherever you are, you can do this. And uh, I'm just going to say a prayer if you'd like to do that, that if you say yourself, then your life will turn around and you can begin to explore the plan that God has for your life in this life and in eternity. So let's uh, just close our eyes and, and pray that if anyone is hearing this and the Holy Spirit is touching them, that, uh, that they will have the courage to respond and take that active step, as I was discussing, forwards in faith. Lord Jesus, I choose to follow you now rather than going in my own direction. I am so sorry for the things that I've done in my life that are not pleasing to you. And I ask you to forgive me. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit to help me in my new life with you. Guide my every step as I now walk with you. Amen. Rob, if you want to come up. We'll finish with some worship.